podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it away And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! And he puts it in! Sergi Carrick has scored the first goal of the Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Elian Road podcast. It's been a while since we recorded our last episode, but if you haven't checked out our chat with football finance expert Kieran Maguire, it is live across all platforms now. So the feedback for that one has been really good. So thanks for that. And before we get into tonight's episode, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels, leave a rating and follow us on Twitter. And we've also just started up a brand new Instagram account where we'll be posting daily content. So make sure you give that page a follow. Uh, with tonight's episode, Clayton... Haven't seen you in a while, mate. Uh, how are we? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's good to be back. Good to be back, indeed. Also joined by Ethan Pinnock's biggest fan, Niall. Niall, we probably should <laughs> let you back on the podcast after the last shout, but here we are, mate. Nah, here we are. Um, my words got misinterpreted completely, so I'm just here to rectify them. And finally, Tias is back on the pod for the first time in a while. Tias, all good, mate? Yeah, long time coming. Uh, you may remember me from such great episodes such as Leeds nil, Brentford nil review and uh, <laughs> and, <others laughs> <Right>. and stuff. <laughs> Before we get started, for those who don't know, uh, Tias was actually our Eden Road representative out in the States. Uh, he was pretty active on Twitter during the summer series. So first of all, mate, before, before we actually talk about the games and some of the talking points from them, any funny stories from the trip that you want to share on the podcast? You've, we've said a couple off, off camera that you definitely can't say, but on camera, what Yeah. Camera? everyone was pretty merry out there um it was just I'd say a lot of it was actually just with the English people who are out there because obviously all the clubs were out there you know you got Newcastle fans Villa fans traveled pretty well Chelsea uh but probably there was one English man that we met actually before we got out to Philadelphia in uh, New York uh weirdly one of the people I was out with James spotted a Rob Holding lookalike who was in an Arsenal polo in a on a roof in a rooftop bar in New York. So being a bit merry, James went over and decided to tell the man he was in fact Rob Holding. Uh, he, the guy was like, look, I'm not Rob Holding, but Ray Parler's in the toilet. And James just a bit like, oh, yeah, chip, funny joke, mate. You got me back. Out of the toilet walks Ray Parler to, you're right, lads. <laughs> Literally, like, I've never pictured this. We're on a rooftop bar in New York. You could see the Empire State Building in the background. And in walks Ray Parler. It was just like, what is going on? And he proceeded to have a Peroni bomb because they didn't have Cobra, funnily enough. Is that is that the end of the funny story? Have we got any more? Uh, yeah, I've, there's others, like I said, but uh, we'll keep it PG for yeah, now. No, fair enough. I think that would definitely be uh, in our best interest. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go on to the actual summer series. First of all, yeah, so I just want to come back to you quickly. What was it like just being out there supporting Brentford in the States? I've seen so many tweets just saying, it was just unreal, surreal experience to be watching Brentford in some of the stadiums that you were at. What, what was it like? Yeah, I mean, firstly, like, what a difference from playing at Hampton and Richmond and Boreham Wood, walking into, especially the Atlanta Stadium. Uh, I only did Philadelphia and Atlanta, so I didn't do Washington. Uh, but the Atlanta Stadium especially, it's by far the best stadium I've ever been to, by far the best stadium I'll ever go to. It's literally... To think that cost the same as Spurs Stadium, and I don't what 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 did what were Spurs doing? They could have made that, and they've decided to make like just a soulless bowl because this stadium generally like 
I can imagine the atmosphere definitely stays in there with the closed roof when Atlanta United are playing. Um, the prices in there were really good compared to Philadelphia, which was, you know, you, you see it on Twitter, how expensive a pint is in the grounds. But Atlanta, it was, first, it was $2 for a litre um, soft drink, which you could refill as many times as you like, which is like about pound fifty. I mean, that, that just tells you about the prices in there. But yeah, away from the games, just, you know, pretty amazing to be. In do, you reckon you, do you reckon you prefer it to, because you went to Germany the season before, do you reckon you prefer it to a European tour pre-season? Um, I think they're very different. Germany, you kind of know what you're getting because like, you've been there before. But I think with places like America, you go there and you know it's a bit of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, like you've given yourself um so you're gonna make the most of being out there and yeah being on a different continent is definitely i think more enjoyable sounds like fun mate you, you said off camera that it's definitely done some damage to the bank account but we won't go we won't <laughs> yeah. uh, we, yeah. we go through the game sort of periodic uh through through the first to the third um go through some of the talking points that i've seen on twitter first of all definitely talk about mark flecken's first matches in a brentford shirt as there has been a lot of noise around it on Twitter. No, you have some pretty strong thoughts on this, mate. So I'll, I'll just leave it to you. Yeah, so um, you know what? I don't understand the criticism at all. So to begin with, um, it's pre-season. Yeah, if, if we're going to judge players on pre-season, Goggia would have been the best player in the world by the way he played in that pre-season game against Stoke. Um, I think Flecken's actually played well. His distribution's been good. His, you know, he's played out of the back pretty well. Um I think for was it Brighton where he um, scored where he conceded that dodgy goal. Um, I think his positioning was a bit off, but to be honest, when when you're pressing high up the pitch like we were, and our defensive line is slightly higher than it usually would be, the goalkeeper is just going to have a, a higher starting point naturally. So we saw the same thing happen with um, David Raya at the Amex last season. Same goalkeeper, Jason Steele, ball into Matoma. This time it was Andinga. Um, so I, I don't really understand why everyone's getting uh, concerned. I think I think he's looked good. Um, if you're going to judge a player, judge him after six, seven games in the Premier League. Don't judge him after three preseason games. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I was a bit skeptical just because just because of that. My immediate reaction was that it was quite similar to David Rea's howler, but David Rea has got a howler in his locker as well. Um, I would say I think it was maybe it was Villa's second or Villa's third when the I can't remember who scored, but he kind of cuts in from the right hand side and shoots quite close to Flecken. He didn't, didn't get down as fast as maybe Raya would. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he's not as great a shot stopper as Raya, but 100% agree with you uh, in terms of his distribution. His short and, short and to mid-range passing was really on point, I thought, in all the matches that he played in. Um, thoughts on some of the players? I thought Ola Kigbe looked good. Did either any of you get, to, get a chance to look at him? He kind of reminded me a little bit of Saka, the way he, he kind of jinks in and out on his left foot. Yeah, I thought he was probably... I don't know, the most exciting B-teamer I've seen play in pre-season for a while. He definitely looks like, I don't know, he should be getting a chance, say, in the in the cup games uh, especially. But he he looks strong for his size as well. Uh, I know he's only, what, 19 or something. But he wasn't someone I was too aware of uh, probably before Boreham Wood. Uh, but now I'm definitely excited about him. Yeah, 100%. I think... Um... What another thing that I kind of thought that we should talk about maybe, and a, a couple of questions on the GPG thoughts on sort of the front three that started. So Shada and Bremer and Wissa, do we think we need a number nine in the transfer window to offer us a different element, Clayton, or are we confident? I was going to give this question to you to talk about Wissa 
Uh, are, we, are you confident in Wissa leading the line next year? Um, I think the beauty of that front three is that anyone could play in the nine. So mm. I I think if we had signed, we're going to sign a striker unless there's an injury uh, before the end of the window, I think we would have already done it. So I reckon we're probably going to go for it for the for the next kind of up up to to January with, with the that front three mentioned and a couple on the on the bench that are more incapable like KLP. So yeah, I mean personally, I think I would have liked to see something a different option, but I could completely understand why they haven't gone with it. Um, it's almost a bit reactionary with Tony technically only been out for half a season, um, and there's more more than enough um, kind of in that squad to to cover up front. What do you think now? I reckon I reckon we could definitely do with, an, uh, with a striker that gives us the kind of thing that Tony gives us, it, it, especially if we're, lo- we're losing Tony. So obviously it would be a reactionary, sh- it would be a reactionary transfer. But like you say, the, the front three are fluid. But in terms of a number nine that could offer the same kind of things that Tony does, I don't think we have that. It, even though Sharda's got good jumping ability, I don't think we have someone who can take a goal kick, bring it down and then link others into play as well as Tony does. Obviously, we're not going to get that player because mm. it's going to cost us over 60 million. But what would you think? Do you think we need any more backup up front in terms of number nine? No, I don't think so. I think if we were going to replace Tony, it would probably cost 20, 30 million. Um, and then six months time, Tony's back. So pl- players will know they're kind of, any player who comes in will know they're kind of second fiddle to Tony. Um I think with Wissa, I do like Wissa when he plays up front. I think his his best attribute is probably his finishing. He's got good instinctive finishing. Um, and I just think the games we di- um, didn't have Tony last season, Wissa kind of stepped up to the plate. Like Liverpool at home, Tottenham away, that just comes to my mind. Um, so I don't think it's much of a problem. Um, I see what you're saying about you know the long balls, but I think if we want to evolve in the way we play, we kind of have to get away from that long ball to Tony um, kind of option. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, like you said, we're going to see a more fluid front three. Um, I think that's something we should be excited about because it'll be more like when we had Ben Rama, Watkins and Mbwemo than, than it has been recently. So, Kind of gets on to one of the questions that someone asked on the GPG. We're going to do a whole section on it. But um, someone was asking about the fact that we played 4-3-3 in all of our games. You just said that you think we should be looking to play 4-3-3 in all of our games. Do you, do, what, even against the big six? Yeah, I think um, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because we did so well last season against the top six playing um, 3-5-2. So. Mm-hmm. But I think, like I said, if we want to evolve, we have to kind of be a bit more you know, ambitious against these big teams. Um, you see the way Brighton play against the, um, the top six. I think that's, that's the kind of team we should be looking at and how we want to play. Um, I think it's kind of taken us a while to get there. Um, but I think... We've seen it four three three in preseason. We've seen like more attacking lineups with Damsgaard and Jensen in the team, and then a front three ahead of them. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. Mm. I think um, it's difficult to take any kind of concluding remarks away from from the summer series, considering it's so early in preseason. I doubt we've done all the transfer window business that we want to do. So yeah, so have you got any kind of concluding remarks just from the trip overall? Would you do it again? Um, highlights, stuff like that. Uh, well. If I get in the position where my bank would allow me to do it again, then uh, then definitely I think an, an Asia tour would be great if uh, anyone would at the club is listening. Uh, <laughs> I'd put that forward for next year. Although Australia is about like 16 degrees in the summer, so I'm not sure how much of a summer trip that would be. But I think the club played it really well out there. The uh, 
the fan meetups were great. Uh, it was great to just see load of American fans. I saw some people complaining about that, but I don't know why you've traveled out there if you weren't expecting like to see a different type of fan out there. And I thought they were all really good natured. Uh, they loved the English and yeah, it was great. The club got involved, especially in Philadelphia. I think uh, a lot of the directors and everyone were more than happy to get involved drinking with all the fans, uh, which it felt a bit old school in a way because you definitely wouldn't see that over in England. Um, there's probably reasons for that because there's a lot more people who would be at a pub like that. But it was great to see something like that happen. And uh, yeah, concluding remarks were, <clears throat> I don't think anyone was really too fussed about the scores or anything. I think what a lot of the feeling was in the stands was that we actually played really well both of the games. Kind of felt a bit old school Brentford where we used to, you know, say a Birmingham City 1-0 loss at home where we just completely dominate and end up losing. And especially in that Brighton game, we were completely dominant. And to play that well against, you know, a side that finished sixth last year, I think, again, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We just need to be a bit more uh, uh, precise up front, I think. Yeah, 100%. We'll, we'll get on to some questions from the GPG. Uh, GJ asks, how do we fit Josh De Silva into the starting lineup? Amazing ability and scores a goal every now and then. Just lacks consistency. Clayton, we're, we're his biggest fan, so you take it away, mate. How do we get him into the lineup? Just start him. <laughs> <laughs> on the wing? No, yeah, not on the wing. He does drift out to the right. He does kind of drift out to the white quite a bit. I don't well, the Aston Villa game he played out on right wing, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, that was for his goal, at least. Mm. Right, just start mid midfield, as simple as that, right? Norgard. Jensen to Silva. You reckon? No, Damsgaard. <laughs> no, not compared to Silva. I'm for. Okay, all right. I'll let I'll let Niall try me because I know you're a big Damsgaard fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like Damsgaard and De Silva. Um, for me, I think that uh, De Silva. I, I can see him playing more on the right this season. Um, kind of like the Embuemo role. I think we've seen him maybe a promotion season in the Championship just before he got injured. He did kind of start in midfield, but did end up on the right in some occasions. Um, I think it's a difficult one with him because he just hasn't shown any consistency at all. Um, we know the ability he has. Um, for me, he's, I've said it before, I think he's one of the most talented players we've seen at Brentford. Um, but, yeah, it's a difficult one. I think Damsgaard's played really, really well in pre-season. Um, yeah. I really like what I've seen. And towards the back end of last season as well, I think he was really getting into like the swing of things. Um so I think it's a difficult one, but the good thing is it's it's competition for places and, you know, that can only be a good thing. Um, they're two quality players. So, yeah, personally, I'll start the season with Damsgaard in midfield. Um, but, yeah, let's let's see what happens. Yeah, as well as, well as Josh De Silva is a good player to bring off the bench. Remember a couple of games that he changed Forest, um, Leicester on the first day. So he's a good option to have off the bench. But, I mean, if he continues his good form into into the first game, I reckon he'll be. I reckon he might be in contention for a start. But Damsgaard does kind of Thomas Frank and Damsgaard. Obviously, there's a Danish link there. They do seem quite close. I saw some comments that said like there's so much more to come from from Damsgaard. I don't know if you guys saw that. So um, yeah, it'll be a difficult one. But like you said, competition for places is what we want. Milman asks, will Sharda ever score? <laughs> I think I think, I think, I think he's <laughs> won, doesn't he? <laughs> he will score. He will score. Tappen. You are tapping back post first game of the season versus Spurs and it will be well. Yeah. Go on to score 15. In that Villa game, I thought he actually did all right to even get a shot off after concert clattered into him. 
um, kind of like flicked it when he was like in midair, which I thought was quite well. It's quite good just the fact that he even got a shot off in that situation. But yeah, I reckon just a tap in is what he needs. Once I do. I do have a, a Conza story actually that's just come to mind from the trip. <laughs> um, we were in the, this. If you could imagine like the world's worst bar in America, then uh, we we were there in Philadelphia. Um, it didn't have a card machine or anything. Uh, it was really cheap though, cash only. Uh, we got talking to these uh, big Newcastle fans. Uh, shout out the Sock Council, great guy. Um, and so it's just the four of us Brentford fans, two Geordie blokes, and a, you know some lonesome American guys in there. And suddenly, you know, the atmosphere changed because uh, three like pretty good-looking models suddenly walk in, and uh, it was really out of place. Because if you saw this place, you'd think, "What on earth are they doing here?" And then you see them, you see. It, at the door, there's some people looking and it's clear that the models are kind of checking if this place is okay for a drink. <laughs> and uh, I look over to the door and I suddenly he's like, is that John McGinn? It turns out John, it is John McGinn because behind him is Douglas Louise, Tyrone Mings and Esri Concer <laughs> at this random bar in Philadelphia, all in like full Aston Villa tracksuits at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, so you know, and Aston Villa got Europe last season. So all I'm saying is, I hope you know Rico Zanka and Ruslev are doing the same uh, when they're out on these tours. John McGinn definitely looks like a big drinker, so I'm not. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, we also should say that the defending for Ezri Quanti <clears throat> goal, where he basically runs through our whole team. I think Onyeka bounces off him, Sharda bounces off him, was was pretty disgraceful. But again, it's just preseason, so we shouldn't get too um too. Shouldn't take too much from that. Uh, would you believe it? Ask. Would also think about adding De Silva seemingly playing on the right wing. We kind of already answered that. Um, he also asked the, the question about four three three. Whether we should kind of stick with the four three three against the big six. But no, I think you kind of answered that too. I do on that. It is a, I do find it a bit odd that we have you know five top quality centre backs. Uh, if we're going to be playing four three three, it just it feels a bit weird. Um, <laughs> Because I know Aya played really well out at right back while we're out there. So you could see that being his position. But then we have Hickey, we have Ruslev, and suddenly we have three good right backs. So it just feels, I don't know, like, I mean, it's nice to have squad depth, but it just feels like we've got a lot of players in one position compared to, say, you know, up front where we don't have many at all. Hmm. Do, you, do you think any of those five centre-backs have any scope to kind of move into midfield? We've got a question from Marty Mammel, he's saying Aya Collins maybe mimicking the John Stones role at Man City. With I, thought, Aya, I thought Collins are quite good on the ball. Yeah, definitely. With, with Aya, I'm pretty sure he played um, kind of in that DM role at the club before Celtic. I forgot what club it was. When he signed for Celtic, he was centre mid, then they put him back. Yeah. So there's probably you know room for potential there. You know, his technical ability is so good. Um, I do worry about him if we are going to play a back four. So I'm not really sure what his position is. For me, his best position is uh, on the right side of a, of or a three. You're a five, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like I, I can't name many footballers whose position is best position is that. But um, no, I, I think he's played well as a right back as well. Um, so I think this season for him, he needs to get a consistent run of games and just figure out what his best position is. Mm. What, do, what do we think of Nathan Collins out there, Tias? He looked good, didn't he? Really good. I mean, every time he was on the ball, people were definitely... Uh, he, he feels really comfortable for a young guy. I think the only like issue I have over him is uh, I think he's got a bit of a 
you know, a mean streak in him in not the best way. I mean, I don't know if you remember back yeah. at when we beat Burnley, he was the man who took down Tony, he got the red card. Uh, there's that really infamous karate kick he did on one of the Man City players last year. So it just feels like, you know, it's a bit like the Casemiro issue at Man United where can you really rely on him? He's a great player, but can you rely on him in the big games if he's got, you know, one of these challenges in him? But the good thing is he's young and uh, hopefully he gets that out of his system. That, that I mean, that's like the smallest um, query I'd have over him. But other than that, he looks like top quality. We've got the same person asking about defensive midfield cover this season, saying are Vitali and Onyeka good enough? I've been seeing a lot of people giving Onyeka stick on Twitter. Um, I thought he was pretty class last season in, in most of the games that he played, but I think he's more of a utility player than he is like a sort of person to cover Norgard when he's injured, if that makes sense. And I, feel, I feel like that's a good strong point in our midfield. We've got different players who are suited to different games because Onyeka's main strength is his ball winning. And his yeah, but he's not, a, he's not a DM though. What do you think? We've never played him at the six. We have. We don't. No, he plays all over the place. He's not. Well, he's not good at DM. He's he's better pressing and running about and winning the yeah, ball kind of a bit further up. He, he's your classic box to box, as they would say. Although he's, he doesn't possess the most kind of finesse going forward, but I think you're right, Mike. I think it's he's a good like fifth, sixth sentiment to have, but he's not. He doesn't set the ball. I should never be a, a starter from what we've seen. But you're right. He did play very well. Um, in that run up to Christmas, didn't he? And then he got an injury. He started yeah. at City. Played. I remember he played very well hmm. when, we, when we won at City. Um, well, it seemed like he would only come in for the games against the big six towards the end, and that probably yeah. says a lot about him that he's trusted in those games to, you know, be that ball winning midfielder. Are we confident then in in terms of six cover, if you want to put it like that? Because I would say Yanout's better off as an eight than he is a six. Obviously, he he's more likely to be deployed in the six role than. Than Onyeka is, but we don't see why really, need more than two. We have a like for like swap for Norgard, or is that an area that you think we need to? But the thing is, we've got so many midfielders, so I don't think we need any more. So yeah, I think you know that deputises for Norgard very well uh, in in the six when Norgard's injured or not playing. I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. He's probably better as an eight. I think we signed him as an eight, but don't forget he when we came in, we signed him as an eight, and then he had to play six the whole season, um, mm. and he was extremely good. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's an issue there. I think personally, he's a much better six than he is an eight. Um, for me, he, <laughs> he doesn't have the quality on the ball of like a De Silva or a Damsgaard to be a good number eight. I think if you watch his games, he starts in that position. Like teams pretty much find find him out quite easily when he gets pressed. Um, for me, he's a much better six than he is eight. I think, well, I wouldn't even call, yeah, but I wouldn't call Damsgaard or De Silva an eight. I'd call them both more tens. <laughs> yeah. Than eights. They're a bit but more I, luxury. No, I think, I think you're underrating Yano in a in an eight position. He does give the ball away quite a bit, but um, in terms of his attacking return, he doesn't really offer too much. But I always reference that game, the first time he played in the, as an eight in the championship against Blackburn away, I thought it was unreal. But... I mean, we don't, like you said, I think he, he's kind of, in the same sense that Onyeka's a utility player, he's kind of also that utility player well, in, in the sense that he can kind of cover multiple positions. But yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the last question from Callum Idimred Regular on Twitter, asking, do we feel that it's success, successful for the club to take part in these, assuming he's meaning like summer series in America, travelling long distances with big time differences, does it do more harm than good? 
I reckon... Is this Maguire? Yeah, Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Maguire's been miserable about something that's good. <laughs> Shut up, Maguire. It's a good thing. Stop complaining. Go tweet Sadiq Khan again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I think it definitely does more good than harm. Um, yeah, especially with with the podcast that we did with Alan Tilwood, which we can check out now um, on the Spotify and YouTube channels. He was talking about how it's been so good for sort of getting Brentford out as a global brand. And TS, I'm sure you can kind of attest to the amount of Brentford fans. I, I, it was kind of surreal, like seeing all these pictures of pubs like clad with Brentford flags. It was just like, what the actual fuck is going on? Well, why, yeah. why are there actual Brentford fans in America? <laughs> no, it was crazy. And like, they're all like pretty clued up. I'd say a lot of them probably knew more technically tactically about what was going on than me because I'm watching the game with beer goggles on and they're sitting, you know, they've got the full view of the TV <laughs> and actually paying attention. So, you know, I, I'm not one of these people who goes, oh, they don't know what 433 is or whatever that is. I don't know. So I thought they're all, you know, all right. And I think, yeah, America especially, you know, is the mecca of merch, isn't it? And if you want to make money, then like... They, they, as soon as they're half interested, they'll have a shirt. They'll have a shirt for sure. And if you think like, if you can get a solid American fan base, that's a solid money of merchandising you're making every year because most people like it just, that makes sense because most people in England don't buy the shirts. You look at like most of the stadium, they're more than happy just to turn up in their own stuff. Whereas in America, they will happily be Mr. Club shop and that makes money for the club. And Making money for the club is what keeps us alive. So, yeah, hundred percent. Making wrong there. Make a merch I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I also, think, uh, did you guys watch any of the club YouTube videos when they were out there that Stu was presenting? I thought they were yeah. quite cool. Just like seeing that, it, it seems like a useful exercise for a whole team to like go to a place where most of them hadn't been before. Speak it like I remember Zanka doing an interview and he was kind of talking about sort of how he hadn't been to the States before. Oh, no, no, he he had been, but there was like loads of other people on the tour that hadn't been there before. So it's like a good team building exercise more than anything else. Um, We'll go on to some just general chat around Brentford because we haven't done this in a while and some transfer business. Clayton, assessment of the business done over the summer so far? Yeah, good. I think solid. I've seen a few people lately complaining that we've been a bit... Um inactive but I feel like we're waiting for that ray of money to hit the bank and then there might be a couple more deals and I guess the biggest talking point is uh Brennan Johnson mm-hmm. um I, I, I really don't know what to think about it free. because there's clearly a player there but I feel like at 50 million we're just completely overplaying for someone who scored like what like four goals last season no nah, he scored more than that he scored like 11 or 12 he scored 11 yeah it was yeah it was above it was okay double, yeah, yeah apologies <laughs> um I, I think it was 11 goals four assists maybe so it, it's decent numbers right but it feels like i don't know it's one of those players we've been chasing for ages so i, I guess it's just inflated from um being in the premier league but mm. it looks like there's some interest from from spurs now and a, a couple other clubs so well, who knows if even that. yeah mm. the thing i is, think he he passed the eye test in uh, that Forest away game. I think I said it because that was Lewis Potter's, you know, big start, you know, getting the team and watching the difference between him and Brennan Johnson. Brennan Johnson just looks so dangerous every time he attacks us. And Lewis Potter, I don't think, had the greatest day that day. And that's probably why I hold uh, quite a lot of ill will against him. Not ill will, but, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not his biggest fan. And I think Brennan Johnson, you know, he's a top quality player spend the money I like Brendan Johnson but I, I it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about how if we're going to bring in another forward 
I would prefer it to be a, a Tony uh, in the ilk of Tony rather than another Sharda or another Mbemo. And he kind of reminds me a little bit more of, of those two rather than a big number nine that can can help bring the ball up, bring the ball down and bring others into play. Like a Chris Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, T has jokes about it, but I think like the whole thing of Tony and the replacement is that, um, as Pet famously once said, you cannot replace him. Um, no. Because he, we play, we want to play football, right, as a club. Uh, and Tony is so good. Um, and it kind of links back to, I saw you posted that clip, Mike, where we are. Uh, trying to convince Jay Harris that Tony was the most complete striker behind Kane in the Prem. And part of that is how good he is on the ball. Mm-hmm. And to find someone in the striker's market, which is inflated as it is, to come in and be able to not only just win headers, because we could just sign Philip Hoffman back from Bochum to win headers if you wanted to. So it's TS likes that idea. Um, <laughs> but not only win headers, but also play balls through, lead the line, score goals, etc. to kind of have that complete nine. Um, is kind of a rarity. So I think, you know, in classic Brentford style, there's probably a few names on the board, but either they're not attainable, they're not experienced enough, etc. Um, so maybe they're looking for what's available now instead. I think that's exactly spot on. I think we can't say that there's no one better than Tony than Kane at what he does and then expect to find someone who plays as good as Tony. Like, So we're only going to be playing worse if we get someone who's doing the Tony role. So I think that's why they're like, right, if we're just going to be worse that way, why not play a different way? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably yep. what the thinking is. I'm yeah, not, I'm not talking about like a full-on replacement for Tony, though. I'm talk- like, not, No one's going to replace Tony. Like you said, you can't, we can't replace him. But I'm talking more like a Nick Poshvitz kind of player. But we've not had that since Nick, since Philip Hoffman because like that's not how we play football. Tony was just the exception, right? Yeah, he was, I guess. I mean, yeah, he's a one in a million fine in the fact that he is so good at what he does. But just like, I mean, it all kind of ties in together. The fact that if we're going to play three five two or three three, just to give us a, maybe an alternative angle against the big six when we've got backs against the wall, we're sat in our own box for most of the most of the game. Then what, what are we going to try in with? Yeah, I think, so I think we'll look for a completely different profile. Like I said, the team's evolving. Um, I think we want to get away from that kind of long ball. I think also when you look back to when we sold Ollie Watkins, um, Tony's a completely different striker to Watkins. So I don't think you can just say that we're going we're looking for a ready-made Tony replacement. It might be a completely different profile. We just we just don't know to be honest. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We should we should talk about the Raya's. Well, Arsenal's interest in David Raya. First of all, I think it's a pretty big, big statement from Arsenal to be going for basically a number one keeper when they've already got. An England keeper in goal. Um, what are your Clayton? What's your immediate thoughts on on the interest? Do we are we kind of just wanting to see the back of Rare now? Yeah, but I, I think um, Frank spoke on it like a few times during the preseason about how like Fesher has been even played a half of football. Like uh, a lot of players in that situation would not have travelled to the states to go with the team. So, so I think it says a lot about his character. So um, I don't think seeing the back of him is like the right statement because it yeah, almost yeah, sounds yeah. like I'm pissed off, but. Um, no, yeah. give us forty million for the the keeper of um, a year left on his deal. That's an absolute touch. I mean, if that pays for Brendan Johnson, then you'd probably take that, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, no. I, I, in terms of going to Arsenal, I, I didn't expect Spurs just made the most sense. We, I spoke about it. I mean, you and I spoke about it, Michael, probably on two or three pods 
kind of leading up to the end of the season, kind of once we knew Larice was leaving, um, Levy was Levy and was stingy as as always. And um, we'll see how that this keeper that I've never heard of that they signed gets on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, and then and then it was it was Bayern, um, and that, that was a bit odd. But apparently they they came in with a loan offer, mm. which the club weren't happy, too happy about. Given uh, how does a loan work when a player has um, a year left in the deal? So so yeah, Arsenal. I did not expect, like you say, I've got Ramsdale on net already. Um, can't be sending the best messages to Ramsdale because you're not paying forty million, which is more than they paid for Ramsdale yeah. for the backup goalkeeper. Um, and I mean, trying to take my Brentford goggles off, but not completely possible. I do think Rhea is a better goalkeeper. Um, Ramsdale has that X factor. I think a lot of like, people like him because he's a shit house. Yeah, uh, me included. Um, but he does make a lot of mistakes. Um, Ray is definitely better on the ball. Um, probably a more consistent, better shot uh, shot stopper. Um, so yeah, I, it, it makes sense. It's just I, with Ramsdale there and kind of the season they just had, um, it's quite it's quite a ballsy move. Yeah, definitely. No, what do you what do you think about it? No, I completely agree with what Clayton said. Um, I think David Wright is probably probably the third or fourth best keeper in the league. Um, I think you know what he did for us last season and the season before that. He, he could have been player of the season both times. Um, I think Arsenal's a really good move for him. Actually, I think a bit like us, they're kind of evolving into a, you know a, a, a better team. Um, and I think Ramsdale, Ramsdale was a difficult one because he, he's obviously got good um, like qualities, like his shot stopping is good. Um, but I feel like that is just a massive statement from Arsenal signing David Raya. Um, I hope they give us the forty million we want. I doubt it. I think it would probably be more like. 30 or 28 if we want to be precise um but yeah to be honest I, i'm just bored of this whole saga i just i want him to go <laughs> i'm just bored of it now do you, do you think the valuation is seriously going to go down because when we me and kieran Maguire had a chat about it on the last pod it's not it's definitely not brentford style to to keep someone on and then and then have him go on a free the following year so like if arsenal came in and offered us 28 do you think we do you think we're going to take it yeah i, I think definitely speaks to like yeah, it depends on the structure of the deal, to be honest. Like, um, if they're add-ons, that kind of thing. Um, I think we'd probably want like most of it up front, um, so thirty million up front, and then maybe like five million spread across two years or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we'll probably settle for a little bit lower. Um, yeah, I think it'll be it could be even like a deadline day kind of thing where they're waiting um, just for the right moment to get him in. So. Yeah, just just going back to the Tottenham thing, it would be absolutely hilarious if the new keeper they bought that I've never heard of too is just absolute dog shit and they missed out on Raya. Um, and it goes to their rivals. <laughs> they have two keepers better than, than they yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Were either of you surprised to see Bidstrap go to Red Bull Salzburg? <laughs> I was surprised people have an absolute meltdown like as you mattered. <laughs> I mean, there's this new... No, I think you're sympathise with this. this. This new like generation... Of like, and we were probably just as bad when we were like 14, 15 on Twitter. But they, these kids just chat absolute shit behind the, like <laughs> a picture of Bidstrip. Um, you know who you are. I probably don't listen. Hopefully not. Um, I'd be worried if they did. But yeah, no, it's, there was some 
some kids crying about it, saying you might as well just fold in the B team, etc. But I mean, you signed him for I think it was about eight hundred k one mil, mm-hmm. um, and sold him for six with, with him barely playing for the club. I mean, that's literally the point. Yeah. Uh, apart from bringing team players into the team, but we spoke about before that kind of the B team worked in the championship, but the kind of, the step up to the prem, you you'll struggle to get players straight in. We've sold so many players. Well, not, I say so many, but we've sold a good. We probably made about eight, eight to nine million off B team players sales this summer. Um, I think Gilbert went to um, was Alex Gilbert went to Borough for like yeah. a mil and a half or something, yeah. Um, and then we've seen like, quite a few players uh, who are out on loan like, the last few seasons, um, like uh, Magoma, kind of going up to a higher level. Uh, we finally saw Cox going up. <laughs> Michael, we spoke about how many times we spoke about Cox. <laughs> um, he's gone out to Bolton. Is that right? Uh, no, Bristol Rovers. Bristol, yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, Paris McGovern went to Bolton. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm super happy. I mean, I've got a bit off topic here, but yeah, I'm super happy with that. Uh, but no, I don't feel too aggrieved that uh, we, we've sold one of our players that we bought for 800k that barely played for the first team there was to a, go for six mil. There was a massive no context Eden Road in what you just said, by the way. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> you said, Michael, how much have we spoken about Cox? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh Niall, what have you what did were you seeing any potential of bids trap or are you the same with Clayton good to get cash on him if it were only bought him for eight hundred and sold him on for six mil? Yeah, I think I saw something on like um maybe it was Twitter. Um I saw that the Northland players were actually laughing at Bids trap because of his technical ability. Apparently it's just awful. And um always always best work kind of comes off the ball. He's a bit like on Yaker in that sense. Um, got a bit of ITK news. Um, so last year, my sister's friend um, helped Bizdrop sell his flat in Kew. So I think it was always kind of a thing that he was going to be leaving at the end oh, of right. the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's probably not a surprise. Um, I thought he looked good last season against was it Port Vale away. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things. He wants to further his career. He's playing Champions League football. He's playing at a place where he's going to develop. You know, Salzburg are pretty much known for that. Um, and, yeah, I think it's it's a good move for him. We get money out of it. We get profit out of it. Um, so, yeah, I think it just works for all parties. And maybe there's a buyback clause we don't know about or a future sell-on. Um, who knows? But I think yeah. it's the right decision. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was pretty sad to see him go, to be fair, because I think whenever we've spoken about him on the pod, we always kind of rave about when he came on in like as a sub in the first like sort of ten or fifteen games in the first season in the Prem. He always looked, he always looked the part. It, it didn't, it didn't look out of his depth at all. So yeah, I, I hope he does. I hope he does do well. Maybe there is a buyback clause. Uh, that would be good if he, if he does well. But he's a Bundesliga type player. The more I think about it, um, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk about? I was going to say how we're feeling going into the new season, but like I said, it's not. Don't really have any feelings yet. I know the thing is, it is only just over a week away. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nice. Don't know how much you can take out of the the preseason games in America, apart from the fact that we played well in all of the games. I thought we did concede a lot of goals as well. So. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Um, like, was it last season? And that was our last preseason game. So well, we lost, I four nil to Wolfsburg. Yeah, well, well, did you say Wolfsburg or Salzburg? Wolfsburg. Yeah, Wolfsburg. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't read too much into what happens in preseason. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. On. You're right. But yeah, I, I'm not. I think, like you say, Michael, I'm not too sure what I'm expecting. It's pretty much the same squad. A few additions. 
Um, I think we'll probably, uh, I think we'll probably see at least a player or two come through. Yeah, maybe, maybe at least one uh, mm-hmm. before the end of the window. Hopefully, someone exciting, uh, especially yeah, once that um, that money hits the bank uh, on Raya, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I, I, what can you hope for? Probably not going to be as good as last season, as we spoke about countless times, given Tony's absence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just come take it as a game of time. So I think the first game of the season is going to be super interesting. You've got uh, Spurs, who we, we kind of beat only if, if you look in, not in days, but in terms of games, only a few games ago, kind of back end of last season, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a broken team. And they, they've got um, got Big Anjan, uh, who um, quite famously in his managerial career is known for having been a slow burner. Um, so who knows what they're going to be like on this first day because um, he's quite a particular manager. He wants his football played in, in a particular way. So they've had pre-season, right? But it's their first time, I'm sure, uh, will get uh, somewhat of a frank masterclass um, in that aspect. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the first game. It's come around quickly. Yeah, I think uh, if we can take any from the way that Andrew Postacoglu wants to play is that he likes to play out from the back. In the first like 10 minutes of that Brighton game, Brighton are absolutely ruthless when it comes to playing out from the back. They will not go away from the pattern of this, the patterns that they play. Um, mm. If we can get out of Tottenham in the first 10 minutes, like we did in a similar way to United at home last season, I think it would be an interesting game. But I do I do really like Andrew Postacoglu. If you'd have watched any of his press conferences, he comes across quite, quite a straight-talking bloke. Yeah, I like him. I'm a fan. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Anything else uh, you two want to talk about specifically, or we can we can wrap it up there? Um, I think that's all good. Perfect. Nothing for me. Sound. So the Elam Road podcast will be back for one more episode before the start of the season. So stay tuned across our social media channels for any updates on that. That's at the Elam Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on our brand new Instagram account. So make sure you give that give that account a follow. And remember, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, share it around with your mates, subscribe to our Spotify and YouTube channels and follow all our socials. Cheers, guys. TS isn't here, but I'll say bye to him anyway. <laughs> Clayton, at Nara. Cheers. Podcast Network.